This is Pete Moore wanted to officially announce the release of Time to Win Again, 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. I wrote this book over the last year. I think you're going to love it. Good to great meets Where's Waldo. Pick them up for your team. Time to win in 2022. Happy to come to your club, your studio, your company, and talk about ways we can optimize business and win going forward. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. After negotiating for 20 years with Keith Trawick's agent, we have finally secured this interview. He was one of the original pioneers in the technology side. He's a trusted advisor, consultant, and friend of Integrity Square. Keith Trayway Trawick, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. You've been hard to give. It's been hard to get. Let's start off with your bio. And um, tell us about your trajectory in this industry that is now called Halo. All right, I'll, I'll have to yada yada a lot of stuff, but just know that I started in this industry as a commission-only salesperson in Powerhouse Gym in Augusta, Georgia. Got right to learn it from the, the ground up, baby. Yeah, and so there is uh, there is nothing like learning the industry versus you know cleaning toilets and learning how to sell memberships and take people on a ten circuit you know, workout and just learning it from the ground up old school. Yep. So from there, what, what got you into the technology side? Did you see things that could be automated? Obviously now your brain is basically like a supercomputer that you've turned into code. Um, but how'd you get into the technology side? And obviously you didn't have, you know, computer science training. So tell us about how that went. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, this was before Windows. So if you wanted to have a computer at the front desk and a computer in your office, right, you're you're running coaxial cable, you're, you're getting these things called Lantastic, you're trying to hook this stuff together. Um, you know, the first camera we had to take pictures was a real like Betamax um, home <laughs> movie camera, right on a big swivel. And so, um, you know, you go through that and you're, you look around at other industries and you're like, there, there's got to be a better way. Like these people are struggling with just basics. Yeah. So uh, I just developed a passion for trying to solve those those problems. Gotcha. So talk about your path with some of the companies you worked for when yeah. you started iFitness and said, OK, look, I understand the special sauce because I remember when you started that company, you basically said everything about member management is inside out. Right. It's got to start with the member and everything emanates out of that member relationship. Uh, that's obvious now, but it wasn't obvious then. So talk about how you kind of became somewhat of an evangelist, if you will, you know, a, an entrepreneur like myself, kind of convincing people that the internet was not a fad and some of the companies you've worked with and, you know, some of the things you've learned over time. Yeah. So I, I think the first real company that I started working with um, kind of officially was Affilion out of Houston, Texas. And so I was a customer of there. And so really kind of learn that software, learn how to add some things to it, to, around it, to make it better. And so uh, with my friendship with those guys, they asked me to do some consulting projects and to help them out. And, and Crunch Fitness was one of their clients. So uh, they sent me to New York and I'm, I'm meeting with the owners of and managers of Crunch. And, um, and through that whole process of going from a single mom and pop um, manager to an organization that has multiple locations and divisions in there, I realized that all of the existing software out there 
was very single location centric and very member centric. Mm-hmm. And when you just got a gym that has a membership, well, that kind of makes sense. But then you start looking at an enterprise. Well, what if they also have training packages? What if they have other ancillary services? What if they have other things and, and one of those services go bad? What if they want their corporate to pay 50% of their dues? And you start answering those kind of questions and you realize you just can't do it with a member. Right. right. You got to have an agreement centric software that can manage all of these different services. And so that's when I started iFitness and uh, trying to answer those questions. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, rolling forward to the last, you know, five years, and I mentioned to a private equity guys, you know, he didn't go to Ursa. And he's like, what was your biggest takeaway from Ursa? And I said, this is the first year that the software companies had a larger physical and networking presence than the fitness equipment guys. So I feel like everything's kind of now tipped to understanding that software and data and intelligence runs the business and the hardware needs to fit into the intelligence instead of the intelligence needing to fit into the hardware. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I I think for me over the last few years, but especially this year, exactly you say it was really evident that the old legacy billing companies versus software companies, that, that whole, you know, thing is over, right? It is one company and everything's integrated. So, you know, for me, it was, it was, um, it, it's interesting to see those companies and how they've evolved and how private equity has come in and, and really professionalized what was just uh, even a mom and pop company with the, the larger ones. Yeah. So you've worked with several multi-unit companies, franchisor, right. franchisee, corporate rollouts that have had private equity. I was in private equity for a period of time. And private equity is all about, I need the data. I need it a certain way. I want to look at it all these different ways. So what are some of the things that you've learned that you've kind of gotten ahead of that you demand out of a software to actually have it give you the information you need to, to optimize the business? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we're struggling with now is a lot of the companies out there, in my opinion, are trying to be too much and be too many things to too many people. And the, the kind of joke that I use with, with guys like you is if I put a hundred, you know, club owners in a room together, and I said, tell me what a member is. I'm going to probably get at least a hundred answers of what a member is. Right. And we start talking about delinquencies and are they active members and delinquent members and frozen members and all of this stuff. So for, for me, what, what I think is, is important where the software companies are trying to go and have to go is allowing organizations to have their own definitions and, and enact their own business processes around those definitions. So for instance, you know, how you manage freeze and how you manage winbacks and how you report on that and account for that and how you hold yourself and your staff accountable for progress. Do you have, you know, positive member growth or do you not have positive member growth? Well, I can vary that a lot by just changing a few definitions. So allowing organizations their, their ability to have that is really important. And so when you see a lot of software companies focusing all these other ancillary stuff, it becomes really hard when the basics are really complicated to serve across a lot of industries. So do you think in other industries, and I'm not an expert in anything except the halo industry, you know, do you see other industries that the software companies basically say, this is how you run your business. Okay. We're the software and we've designed this for you to optimize your business where in our industry, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs and private equity groups that say, yeah, okay, that's great how you run your software, but I'm not running my business that way. Yeah, I, I think people are, are, that is absolutely the thing. And I think the problem with that is that forever, 
the billing company said, oh, software should be free, software should be free. And what they did is they took their costs and embedded it into the billing fees. So we kind of conditioned this industry that this amazing software that's supposed to run your business is supposed to be a hundred bucks a month. Right, right. right. And so if you look at other industries, when people from other industries come into our industries, they're like, what do you mean you can't get 400 bucks a month for software? It yeah. does. It runs their whole business. Yeah. I'm like, well, the market's not conditioned to that. Yeah. So I think what we're, what we're starting to see is people are, are waking up to the fact that if I need my software and to do all these things that are going to help me run and grow my business, then there's a value to that. Yeah. And so I think we're seeing more transparency in that. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting point you made because in a lot of businesses that we look at, when you get their income statement, you know, you say, okay, your marketing cost is probably, you know, somewhere between five to 7% of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was running that software company 20 years ago, an investor said to me, you know, what percentage of revenue did these guys spend on technology? And I said, like 1%. Um, <laughs> right. And he was like, all right, I'm not investing, you know, because it wasn't important to them. Um, so what are you seeing right now? You know, is this psychology that that you mentioned? I remember it was like, Nobody's paying more than $200 a month for anything that's, you know, right. that, that goes through a computer. You know, what kind of price points are you seeing and what's the education? Is there, is this like an ROI sale? Is it, hey, look, I'm, I'm basically providing you hundreds of thousands of dollars of value and I just want like 5% or 10% of that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. So I think one of the things that as VC money has come in and, and really gotten behind some of these software companies, it's taken some of that that pressure to kind of race to zero on pricing. And I'm seeing people actually backing off of that and, and letting deals walk because they know that they have an enterprise value. And once a couple of the organizations started taking that approach, it made it easier for other organizations to take that approach because everybody's not chasing that that down to zero. So we, I do see prices increasing um, in the base core of the software, but we also see some price decreasing on the on the transaction processing. Customers and owners are getting smarter, and they know that you know it's not five point nine percent to process right. the payment anymore. So yeah. we're seeing some some decreases that, but we're also seeing some increases in just the the core value proposition on the software itself. When you think about the rate of change of technology in the industry. You know, and, and when I was running Fitness Inside and you were running iFitness, you know, a new version came out like once every six months or once a year. Yeah. You know, now it comes out, you know, weekly and there's not a high level of, of training that goes along with that. And, you know, optimizing the usage of all the new bells and whistles. Um, during COVID, I kind of told a number of, of my clients, our clients, just, just slow down, you know, yeah. and just think about like what the important parts of your business are optimize the technology side, your SEO, and, and simplify it. So how do you think about that as a technology guy, as a consultant, to say, yeah, this software has a thousand things you can do, but you really need to focus on these 10, right? And then you can kind of test out some other ones. So how do you walk someone through, you know, all the different bells and whistles and say, look, this is like the engine. Make sure you get the engine before you work on the, you know, the uh, rear view mirrors. Yeah, I, I think that is exactly the struggle. And as, as more people come in from outside of the industry, they want all these cool things. But I always lead with this. If we can find a technology that'll help us keep our bathrooms clean and make the front desk smile at people and say hello and greet them properly when they come in, that's the technology I want, right? Right, right. Let's start with that. Um, but, you know, really, to your point, um, you, you got to start with the agreement billing management, right? So all of those basics have to be there. You have to, to take care of people in their agreements. 
And then the other stuff kind of comes on top of that, but an organization has to walk before it can run. And any organization that I see that is focused on all of these, these, these really kind of edge use cases, if they don't have their, their basics lock stop, I always tell them to slow down exactly what you said, because it's, it, it becomes, you know, kind of discombobulated, right? And nobody can talk to each other. And even if you get data, you don't have knowledge from that data because you can't process it through the organization because there's not a base in which to sit it on top of. When you go into a new client or someone says, hey, Keith, come in and look at my business. Tell me what I should do with it. And they put you on because they think the software is holding back the revenue or the system is not providing them the level of profitability. How many times have you gone into someone and says, man, you got to fix like the programming in here and the equipment before you mess with, you know, the technology is not your problem. You know, and, and say, look, why don't you fix this and call me back in 90 days? Or how do you think about that when you're going in to a technology consulting project? And at the same time, because you used to clean the bathrooms and sell memberships, you're like, bro, let me tell you, this problem that you have is not something that I need to fix right now. I can fix this later. Your core business is under attack. Yeah. So I'll give you one quick anecdote because I really just try to level set people with truth. Um, I have an organization I'm working with uh, recently that are having a really big problem with attrition and cancellations. And, and so we really start digging in. Then I'm like, well, ha- have we asked people what, why they're canceling? Well, no, not really. <laughs> and yeah. so let's ask people. And so you get those results back and overwhelmingly it's, the pads on the equipment are ripped up. <laughs> I cut right. myself when I do that. The bathrooms weren't clean. It's those types of issues. It almost never is. You know, the mobile app didn't really. <laughs> yeah, this is, video didn't load. I'm canceling my membership. I don't think that's a, right? you know, like an exit interview. And, and so technology, obviously, to me, will, and I love technology, it enhances and amplifies the core that's already there. So if the processes are fundamentally broken, say with your cancellation process, if people hate you because your cancellation process isn't really fair, putting a really cool slick web interface on it doesn't solve that problem. Now, if you have a great process, it can make it easier and you can efficiency and all of those things, but you got to start with the core processes first to me before technology. Yeah. So when we started in this industry and, you know, we use ABC financial and, you know, we love those guys and you work there for a period of time. Um, there was always this point of like, do, do not change your billing. You're going to lose X amount of members. The accounts aren't going to transfer over. Obviously there's a lot of, you know, data that can be transported into fields and, you know, maybe even the software company will guarantee that we're not going to lose revenue when we do this transition. Um, how do you calibrate for somebody the risk of changing and the benefit of just hoping that the software company you currently work with is going to optimize what they're doing? Well, I, I think one of the things I try to do is educate people uh, now is that the software vendor that you choose is only one part of the equation, but it really, the most important part is the, your customer's bank. They call that the issuing bank. And because their risk really is around identity theft and fraud, they have put so many protections in place to try to identify when things could potentially go wrong. So even if your software company does everything perfectly, they're at the mercy of these issuing banks and whatever fraud protection that they're running uh, through at that time. So once I educate people on that, even if you do it perfectly, there's risk. Um, it, it, it opens people's eyes. So, uh, you know, most of the software companies now, uh, I think, have done a reasonably good job at, at understanding that process. 
but it, it's complicated and it's not getting simpler. It's getting more complicated as these algorithms take over and this, this risk and fraud protection. Right. So there's obviously a big wave of, of technology, software and billing consolidation going on. So there's going to be a significant amount of venture dollars that are going to go in and acquire platforms that are in adjacent markets, maybe transition them onto their current platform, data analytics, reporting, you know, gift cards, promotions. Obviously, it used to be like this tech stack where it was, you know, you got to remember 12 different passwords. These softwares kind of talk to each other, but they don't really talk to each other, or they might talk to each other, but they don't like each other. Um, so when you think about some of these larger players coming in and making these acquisitions, is it going to be the customer that is going to decide, hey, I want to do this module with this company and this with another one? Or do you think that these companies are going to say, hey, look, I'm providing you best-in-class suite. I'm not cool with you transferring data out of my system because I'm responsible for it. Um, does the data and the privacy dictate some of the acquisitions? I think it has to. So, you know, for most of the the last, you know, 15 years or so, what you said about, you know, kind of picking the best of uh, best in class of these different softwares was kind of the, uh, the prevailing thing. But in the last four or five years, I think that's flipped. Um, I think um, most of the software players out there now, um, because of the issues that you said, are moving away from that. And they're actually right. restricting interaccess. And if you look at a couple of the marcher players, they're now starting to charge huge uh, implementation fees for access to the data um, and making people have a lot more security. So I think the trend that we're seeing now is more integrated platforms within one vendor versus this interoperability uh, across different vendors. I'm not a big fan of that, but I understand why they're doing it. Um, everybody wants the, the click. So every company and every health club and studio and software company and billing company says, I own the data. I'm the data guy, right? And you multiply that by 10, but there's only one data, right? right. So the elephant in the room, answer the question, myth or fact, who owns the data? I'm not sure the question really matters. I, I think that the, um, they both own elements of that data. Right. So I think the, um, the certainly the location owns the, the demographic data, the name and address and all of that. Um, what we call metadata, the stuff that's around that, uh, what people are starting to do is append to that. So understanding um, not only that this is Jim Smith and he lives at 123 Elm Street, but what's his income level? What's his educational level? What are his other things? Really, the, the billing and software companies kind of own that metadata. Um, so the value, I think, as we move forward in time is really going to be on the combination of the demographic and the metadata. So you really have to have both. Um, and so I would, you know, the agreements are really being written so that the software and billing companies have use of that data, even though you technically own it, Got they it. can use it. And are these agreements and with the, you know, VCs that come into a business that invest in other SaaS companies in different industries, they come and say, this is the agreement we're using. It's an I agree statement. There's right. no modifications to it. And this is how we're going to run our SaaS company because we want to control the data and that information. As you see the Apple watch and you see, you know, my zone and, and OTF. And then you look at the healthcare companies that want to reward people for actually checking in and actually doing it. How does, how does that evolve? Yeah. I mean, that is a, uh, that is a great question. It's really exciting to watch it unfold. Um, you know, you, you hear the, the classic joke about Facebook and Google and some of these other, you know, big tech companies that 
um, you know, if you're not paying for a service, then you're the customer, you're right, the product, right? Yeah, like that. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think to some extent we're seeing that and that what these companies are doing is kind of aggregating this, all this data together and the sum of all the parts is much greater than any individual part. And I think that's what insurance companies really care about is, is understanding these, these broader trends. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's going to be interesting so, to see how it plays out. Yeah. So, you know, obviously COVID has, you know, changed the game for the bricks and mortar players in the space. I think it's somewhat of a wake up call. Um, you know, if you're in a local market and you're the authority in fitness in a five mile radius, you should be the authority in fitness, whether it's physically or whether it's on Wi-Fi to that person's house. Like you own that relationship and you got a sign and you got a location. Do you think that the health clubs and the franchisors and the franchisees are going to be able to catch up? Or do you think maybe they end up partnering with the Pelotons and the iFits of the world? Or do they, do they say, you know, look, bring your, bring your weapons. Okay. My weapons are my relationships and my bricks and mortar. So if you want to do that, you better get your own, put them in here because I own this yeah. territory. So where do you think that's headed? Yeah. So for me, when I look at it, I, I think it's going to be almost impossible for any organization to compete with Apple Fitness and Obey and Beach Bodies and these people that are spending so much money on talent, not just right. the you know the core programming, but the talent to do it and execute it. I think it's going to be hard to compete in that realm. But to your point, what I do see people being successful at is blending the virtual and the brick and mortar. And, and having programs that allow people the flexibility to do both. And so maybe they're, they're comfortable in this, this, you know, in a brick and mortar situation here, but they want to do virtual for this situation and allow people that flexibility and support, I think has tremendous value. Let me talk about marketing for a second, because you've been in this industry and, and started on the front lines and worked with most of the brands in the space at one point or another. Um, you know, I, I look back to like Derek Barton and someone like the Gold's Gym, you know, challenge, you know, six week, eight week boot camp, um, change your body was like, this is what you look like before. And this is what you look like after. And those visuals, they worked. Um, and then like, you know, we got to the point where everything was based on price, you know, we're going to go to a lot lowest denominator and we weren't talking about results. So take your technology hat off and just put on your, you know, halo evolution hat. Do you see some of the things in the past that should be coming back to the future? Absolutely. People are using kettlebells now, aren't they? <laughs> They're right? all using kettlebells. It's true. And, and Olympic squat racks, I think of the, like the most uh, trending Instagram selfie yeah. and, um, and, and new equipment CapEx going into clubs. I am, um, I, you know, as, as, as far as the marketing trends to me, what I see, and I had the fortune of being with some other industry leaders and we did a, a tour this summer of a, uh, you know, 20 or so high performing clubs and, and the marketing really was primarily based on referrals. It's people bringing their friends old school. They came yeah, yeah. in because they had the right energy, the right music. They had squat racks. They yeah. had the ability to do what they wanted to do, functional fitness um, in there. And they weren't doing as much external marketing as they were back in the day. They weren't doing 5,000 tank cards on a weekend right, right. at the mall, right? So, you know, as, as you think about the data, you think about, okay, I'm going to go mine for my referrals. Um, I'm going to analyze all these KPIs. At the end of the day, most of these independent operators are running their club. And I got a fire drill. I got a, a pipe that burst. I got my music's out. My elliptical doesn't work. And now, Keith, you want me to go and sit in a conference room and analyze these KPI reports and then figure out what the actions that I should take 
I got, sure. I got a lot going on already. And I don't have the money to hire data scientists. So are the software companies going to provide like this predictive analytics? I think everyone talks about it. I just don't know how much of it is actually happening. So maybe tell me yeah. where, where, where we are. If we're, if we're in a baseball game on using data to optimize your business, what inning are we in? Yeah, I, I think we're early in the game, right? I, I think second inning. Yeah, I, I think early. I wanted, a, I wanted an inning from you. I, I think we're in the the, the bottom of the first. To be bottom honest, bottom of the first. Okay, all right. Because, because here, right, the, the question that you're asking, the majority of club owners still don't even understand the question. Um, <laughs> and I think it's 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 really important. Now, some of the bigger, sophisticated owner, owners and and companies are absolutely worried about analytics, and they're starting to do a better job of producing data and reports. But then, what do you do with that? What's actionable based on that? Nobody's really got their mind around there. So where I see technology in this fire drill is let's let's automate some things that we can do. So if you have a a new member onboarding process, right, we can automate those types of things. We can do win back campaigns and we can do kind of customer drips in the marketing to make sure people are touched at the appropriate time. But then you still got to deal with the fire drill. So let's let the technology do the automation and then let's get the people and the processes to work on those fire drills. Uh, and it's it's really hard to do both, and and we haven't really understand the integration and relationship of those two activities yeah. very well. Just a, a comment on that. I feel like a number of operators say, "Hey, man, I do my email drip campaigns. Hey, I, I have these data analytics reports," and it's almost like um, an excuse for for execution at the club level or the relationships. Or, hey, you know what? I sent an email out to three. If I got a studio, I got three hundred members pick up the phone and call them, right. Or invite them in for like a, uh, you know, a member appreciation day or when everybody walks in, know, know their name, know what there were. I, I, I would go on a soul cycle pre COVID five days a week. No one ever asked me, Hey Pete, what are you looking to achieve? What's your goal? How can I help you yep. reach your goal? So uh, what, what are your thoughts on here's the technology and here's the people and like execute on a relationship and use the technology as a weapon. Yeah, let me come back to that because one of the questions you asked before, I think is really important. What inning are we in? Let me give you a, a, an analogy between where I said we're in the first inning and other industries that are you know, in the seventh inning stretch. Other industries, when they're looking at their email campaigns, it's not, are they working? Are they sending out emails? They're doing things like multidimensional analysis of, of diff, uh, multidimensional analysis of the emails themselves. So changing taglines, changing fonts, changing colors, changing images doing not only A, B testing, but A, B, C, D testing yeah. and saying, okay, if we change this image and change this tagline, what produces better open rates? What produces better click-through rates? And so we're in the fitness industry. Hey, did the emails go out? Yep. And we check exactly. it off. That's what I'm gone. saying. It's like, okay, now what? Right. 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 Yeah. And so, you know, look, that when sophisticated marketers will tell you that the right image, the right color, the right font, all of these types of things makes a huge difference in people's, because everybody's so busy and they're so strapped for time right? Th- those kind of things matter. And, and that requires a much level, higher level of sophistication than what we're doing in our industry, at least what I see. So, and the last point on this, does that become the responsibility of the software company where it's like an outsourced service? Or do you say, look, I'm your software company. I'm not running your club. I mean, Brian Mitchell and I go back and forth on this all the time about, hey, I want to provide you a tool and I want you to like, I'm yeah. not on your army. Okay. I'm just, I'm the weapons provider, right? I'm not actually suiting up for battle. Let's go to that average goals gym and say, Hey, we, we, we'd like to do this for you as a consulting service. 
but it's going to cost you 6,500 bucks a month for us yeah. to manage your emails. How many club owners say sign me up, right? Yeah. Very few. So I think that's where the, the providers are struggling with is how do you monetize and, and provide value for this kind of service? Because a lot of these marketing niches, they do take time to kind of manifest in, in productivity. Yeah. Well, one idea that we should probably put up, you know, Dave, as part of this, um, the, the show notes on this, let's, and Keith, work with us on this. Let's take industries and what percentage of their expenses or what an average restaurant that's owned by a big chain spends on technology versus what we do just to show, yeah. you know, look, you, you're basically, you're, you're an army and you got no air force, you know, yeah. you got like, you know, like battalion. Um, all right. So this has been a great conversation. And after this conversation, hold on a second. Yeah, we'll let him in the book. All right, we, you've just made the book on the second hey. edition. We're not going to tell you what page you're on, but you're now officially time to win again. Edition two, the first run was only for Ursa, and it was kind of like a backdoor event. So you're officially in the version that will be on Amazon.com. You get the book twenty nine ninety nine. I'll buy ten. <laughs> Treyway. Um, all right. So leave us with a quote or something that's meaningful to you or something you have on your computer. That's like a guidance uh, or something that helped you get through some of these situations that we've been through over the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, the merging of technology and marketing, it, it happens more and more every day. And so my favorite quote around this is 50% of the money I spend in advertising is wasted. The problem is I just don't know which 50%. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. All right, brother. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Finally, after all this yeah, work thank you so of, much for having of me. getting you on, um, hopefully our audience here really, you know, get some tidbits that, that will help them optimize their business. You know, and one of the things that people should be left with here is take time to think and then use the technology to optimize your strategy. And if you put those two things together, you're going to have a winning business. So, bro, thanks for everything you've done yeah. for this industry. Obviously, it's not the place to make the most money in the world on the technology side, but I think you and I and other people that have been staying at it, you know, it, it's working and, it, and it's happening and people are getting results. And, you know, all this VC and private equity money, we've been talking about it for 20 years. It's finally here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for getting on board, you know. <laughs> with the trend. So yep. I'll see you in person and uh, thanks for coming on. Great talking to you, brother. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate right. it.